benefit for the UU Music Program, refreshments, no host bar, kid friendly. Information www.bfuu.org or 8414824 in the 510. This is KPFA in Berkeley and KPFB in Berkeley and KFCF in Fresno. It's 3 o'clock. Now up Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone, followed by Free Speech Radio News at 3.30. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Happy ending indeed, 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 indeed. That's the last, um, the last lines in Bertolt Brecht's. Three Penny Opera, that's my theme song, you know, it's the last scene in the play, and uh, one of the people, one of the people, they, they've just rescued Mac the Knife, and uh, the woman says, where will we all be on Coronation Day? Well... I don't know where you were today. I I was home in front of the TV, of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm beginning to identify with Ted Kennedy, Robert Byrd, not with Mr. Cheney. All these, uh, oh, folks, uh, Cheney, I think uh, his exit, his last exit in the wheelchair, had this big black hat, big, wide, huge brim, I think. He was trying to be funny. I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time anyway. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The brother Obama is, uh, what is it, launched. Whatever works is his motto. You heard the man. No grandiose talk anymore. Just the facts, man. (laughs) It's a done deal. It's all kind of like a wedding, you know, when they swear you in. Once you say, I do, well, you know, you're done for. Can do. Let's hope you can do. Do what it takes. There was not a dry eye in the house this morning. Um, I was appalled to see Colin Powell uh, in uh, camera there on one of the networks. He wasn't on C-SPAN. Mostly I watch C-SPAN because there's no commercials, but... I checked um, network ABC, and there was Colin Powell saying that he didn't mind admitting that he teared up at some point. Ah, Colin Powell, that is the the question, folks. 
what is it, when good men do nothing, or, well, actually, he did do something. He, uh, he did what his commander-in-chief told him to do. Shame on him. Never mind. I'm sure that he's wrestling with his soul, his demons, anyway. I didn't feel much... Uh, actually, I, I I had a moment when Yo-Yo Ma and Isaac Perlman started to sing. That was not today. That was um, yesterday out there on the Lincoln Memorial steps. That hit my heart there. Uh, it's always the music that gets me. It lifts the spirit. Uh, it's curious that someone as earthbound as Barack Obama can be so filled with a sacred spirit. Maybe I'm projecting. (coughs) Obama said that we will be judged by what we build, not what we destroy. Good lines, you know. That'll be the day, boys. You know, the day when the fathers love their sons more than they hate their enemies, when parents work for their children's future before they go to war to destroy the future of someone else's children. You know how that goes, folks. Pain and suffering, we pass it from hand to hand until somebody somewhere says, no, I won't pass it on. Of course, then what do they do with it? It's kind of a hot potato, you know, and have to integrate it, take it to the... uh, take it to one of the courts. Who knows? Maybe they just need to swallow it. Um... As I said, I always stick to C-SPAN these days. C-SPAN is supported by the cable networks, would you believe? And uh, I like to hear the call-ins. It always reminds me that the first issue for someone like me is education. The sort of people that call in to TV shows, even to C-SPAN, are so absolutely appalling that it makes me think that maybe the... Uh, founders, our forefathers were right when they decided, you know, only to give the vote to a handful of people. Maybe we should require that people, uh, you know, can read and write or know their ABCs, something. I don't know. I, I, I guess there's no way to, what is that, uh, figure out whether somebody is wise enough to be a citizen of a democracy. Uh, it's a hard one to call. Anyway, uh, I listened today to the commentary on Cape Uh I love to listen to our folks, but I couldn't resist the visuals, you know, on the TV show because uh, the sight of people tells us a lot about these folks, the old guard and the avant-garde and the splendid pageantry, the military pageantry gives me a chill. But I guess, you know, there it is. Uh, <laughs> what's that line? Yes, uh, full spectrum dominance. That's what they call it. Rule the world, no place like Rome. I was wondering, though, watching Obama, who is, of course, uh, the man of the hour, I kept wondering how she would feel she is Stanley Ann Dunham. Do you know who Stanley Ann Dunham is? I've been asking people all weekend. Very few people recognize the name. 
Uh, actually, she called herself Ann Dunham when she was a girl. She said they called her Stanley Steamer. And anyway, Ann Dunham is Barack Obama's mother. That's the woman from Kansas, the white lady, you know, anthropologist, scholar, mother of Barack and Maya. Uh, Ann died of cancer when Barack was about his mid-30s, I think. Uh, his autobiography, he writes there that if he had known his mother wouldn't survive the last illness, she was helping him with the book, he would have written more about uh, his life with her, with what uh, she gave him, the reality of his life. Uh, but, of course, the book is called Dreams from My Father, and since his father was the absent parent, uh, he's the one that, you know, Barack mythologized about. Something so human about that. Uh, see, the father left, uh, left mother and child in Hawaii when Barack was two. Came back again to visit for a couple months when Barack was uh, nine or ten. Then when Obama was uh, 21 years old, his dad died and uh, he just got a phone call, car accident. And uh, then his Indonesian stepfather died. Uh, let's see, he would have been in his teens by then, uh, Barack. Um, the Indonesian dad... Um, Got prostate cancer, died, I think, age 51. And Anne's parents are both dead, the uh, maternal grandparents now. Uh, her mom died the day before Barack won the election. He called his grandmother, his maternal grandmother, Toot. In the book, he spells it T-O-O-T. That's short for Tutu, you know, like Bishop Tutu. Apparently, in Hawaiian, tutu means grandparent. And uh, his grandmother said when he was born, she's too young to be called granny. So he called her toot. And she and his uh, his mom, I would say, were the primary parents all of his life. Uh, and um, the tragedy of her death the night before the election strikes me as positively Shakespearean. Uh, I did get maybe a pang or two listening to the uh, good pastor at the service uh, talking about all of these folks. Uh, and uh, he was speaking of, yes, he spoke to the God of our weary years, the God of our silent tears. And I thought of all those who have gone before. All our dead dears, Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, well, Malcolm Medgar, the list is too long to read here. You've been listening to it now for the past week. Uh, all those in whose name uh, Barack Obama took the oath today, uh, uh, Spike Lee was talking about it, it's about all the saints who suffered and died for our liberation. Spike Lee gets a big, big gold star for his hat. He wore this super big, huge white hat and said New York Yankees, you could hardly see it, but big white fur, white flaps and everything in there. People kept asking him what that hat meant. You know what that hat means. Anyway, uh, 
he was talking about the, well, they were all talking about the people who died for our liberation for a more perfect union. Yes, they are not ghosts, all those, all those dear dead saints. They are the spirit, spirit of our age, the past, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age today. Smiling down on all these new folks, these new workers for freedom. Barack's family, mostly gone except for the folks in Kenya. Now, I'm looking forward. I hope that the television cameras get over to Kenya, to the village where his grandmother lives. That's his dad's mother. As far as I know, she does not speak any English. Uh, His wife, Michelle, has learned... uh, The grandmother's language, that's Lua, L-U-O, is the name of the tribe. I thought, for the longest time, I thought he was a Kikuyu until I read the autobiography. Anyway, uh, those folks, let's see, there's a whole bunch of siblings over there. I was making out a budget last night trying to figure out how he should help his folks in Africa. But I think think I'll... I think I'll let him worry about that. That's kind of complicated, although the grandmother and his uh, his dad's sister, Sarah, I think, should be on his list of dependents and folks that he needs to watch over. Uh, I was thinking they keep comparing Barack to Abraham Lincoln. And, of course, Abraham Lincoln was married to a woman called Mary Todd, and the newspapers were always talking about the Todds. They said, you know, hundreds of relatives and all of them looking for office. Of course, um, that's improper. You can't do that. That's what nepotism is saying. But nothing says you can't help out. Uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of fun, that whole business of the families uh, gives them what you'll call that, uh, the human grounded qualities. There's always a brother who makes trouble. You know, the ones who mess up. There's always the fools and the clowns, and then there's, oh gosh, so many weak and cowardly, all of us. Uh, everybody needs some serious saving. Uh, brother Obama can do it if anybody can. His style is so cool. I hope it sticks. I hope he lasts. Uh, he's, uh, humble, firm, no nonsense. They call him No Drama Obama. He tries to keep it simple, get down to business, um, and enjoy yourself while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 uh, they rushed him into the room there so he could sign some legislation. And Nancy Pelosi and Diane Feinstein had him sitting at the desk there handing him the pen and he said, oh, okay, and now I've taken the oath, now let me, give me sign something here, you know. He says that he's grateful to have time now to be at home with his family, his office is on site, he can just run upstairs and see the kids. He's talked about uh, sleepovers, I wonder if that'll be the uh, Clinton bedroom, uh, no, 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 pardon me, was that a Freudian slip? It was a Freudian slip, by God, a good one. The Lincoln bedroom, I think uh, that it would be a real hoot if the girls could have uh, their school friends over. I, maybe the Lincoln bedroom is too respectable. We will see. We will see. Uh, the um, commentators on television were all chatting about whether the uh, uh, 
whether the girls would room together or each have her own room. I'm certain each one needs her own bedroom. We all know that. What is it? There's seven and ten or seven and eleven. Good heavens. And of course, there's Michelle Obama's mother, Marion Robinson, the first granny of the nation. There was some question uh, among the commentators as to whether or not she would require a sitting room. I think so. Yes, 130 rooms in the White House. The usual suspects. Uh, <laughs> we're all chatting it up uh, about all these matters. I I kind of groaned watching all the elders. Um, the only truly outsider couple is the Clintons. That is, among the insiders, they're the outsiders. Uh, Jimmy and Rosalind, they, of course, uh, have the moral high ground in that uh, uh, tribe uh I noticed that uh, Jimmy Carter uh, appeared to snub the the Clintons. Well, Bill Clinton just walked right by him. There they all were down there in the hall. Um, it could have been the other way around. Maybe I read it wrong. But uh, it seemed to me that Jimmy Carter very, very definitely uh, ignored and walked past Bill. Uh, well, uh, it's always those... In the same party, you know, those of your own tribe or family, there's Democrats, uh, they get more snarly-gnarly among themselves. For some reason or another, they manage to put on their kabuki faces and be polite to Republicans. But um, it's a weird job. Uh, Michelle Obama, I was reading an article in the New York where she said that she thought that uh, political life was too brutal for her good husband, but that's that's way back. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think, yes, I think, well, saints are seldom very social, but uh, the Carters, I, I had to laugh when the Carters uh, got out of that luncheon quickly. I think it was after the uh, ambulances had been called for Ted Kennedy and for Robert Byrd, who unfortunately... Suffered, uh, I think Kennedy's was a seizure. Robert Byrd is the oldest, the oldest, the oldest of them all. How, I, I, I don't know why I think of it as scene stealing. It wasn't that poor, poor elderly gentleman. Uh, anyway, I, I noticed Jimmy Carter and Rosalind just picked up and dashed out of the luncheon. Uh, they being, what is it, the most significant elderly pair. Uh, I want to read you a little piece I found. Uh, I found it. It's uh, called Portfolio by Mariana Cook, a couple in Chicago. It's in the New Yorker of January 19. Find it if you can. It's an old photograph of Michelle Obama and her husband, I believe they're married at this point, 1996. But this is long before the children. This is a B.C. photograph, 1996 May. And uh, the woman who did the picture, she was doing a photography project on couples in America. And she went to Hyde Park and she photographed Barack and Michelle. And there are some excerpts from her interviews with them. And then there's this 
awesome picture. I'm, I'm going to frame this one. I think I'm going to use this one. Uh, go put it up on the wall. They look like a couple of college kids. They would be 33 and 35. Yes, Michelle was just, just, let's see now, she's just 45 a day or so ago. And I think he's 48 now. Anyway, 1996, 12 years ago. The wall, uh, Indonesian shadow puppets framed on the wall. Uh, pictures of, photos of. Very interesting um, collages. Then on the table we have an African fertility symbol. We have um, an oriental rug. Mm, could be, no, it could be a southwestern Indian rug. Their clothes are what I would call um, <laughs> utilitarian, let's put it that way. Michelle's hair is cropped very short. And Barack has these long arms and legs, this big lanky fellow draped over his beautiful young uh, wife. Anyway, uh, let me just take you on a little time travel here. Back in 1996, Michelle Obama said this. There is a strong possibility that Barack will pursue a political career, although it's unclear there's a little tension over that. I'm very wary of politics. I think he's too much of a good guy for the kind of brutality, the skepticism. When you're involved in politics, your life is an open book. People can come in who don't necessarily have good intent. I'm pretty private and like to surround myself with people I trust and love. In politics, you've got to open yourself to a lot of different people. There's a possibility that our futures will go that way. Even though I want to have kids and travel, spend time with family and spend time with friends, but we're going to be busy people doing lots of stuff. It'll be interesting to see what life has to offer. In many ways, we are here for the ride. I'm interrupting my, my, this reading, my God. What a ride it's going to be, darling. You know, you're on the roller coaster now. Michelle goes on to say, in many ways, yes, we're just sort of seeing what opportunities open themselves up. The more you experiment, the easier it is to do different things. If I'd stayed in a law firm and made partner, my life would be completely different. I wouldn't know the people I know. I would be more risk-averse. Barack has helped me loosen up, feel comfortable taking risks, not doing things the traditional way, sort of testing it out, because that's how he grew up. I'm more traditional. He's the one in the couple that I think is the less traditional individual. You can probably tell from the photographs. He's just more out there, more flamboyant. I'm more like, well, let's wait and see. What did that look like? How much does it weigh? Well, that's the end of uh, the comments from Michelle Obama. And uh, 12 years later, it weighs a great deal, my dear. You have the world on your shoulders now. What does Barack Obama have to say 12 years ago? Uh, he says, all my life I've been stitching together a family. 
through stories, memories, friends, ideas. Michelle has had a very different background, very stable, two-parent family. Mother at home, brother and dog, living in the same house all their lives. We represent two strands of family life in this country. The strand that is very stable and solid, and then the strand that is breaking out of the constraints of traditional families, traveling, separated, mobile. I think there was that strand in me of imagining what it would be like to have a stable, solid, secure family life. Michelle, he writes, Michelle is a tremendously strong person, has a very strong sense of herself, who she is, where she comes from, but I also think in her eyes you can see a trace of vulnerability that most people don't know. Because when she's walking through the world, she is this tall, beautiful, confident woman. There is a part of her that is vulnerable and young and sometimes frightened. And I think seeing both of those things is what attracted me to her. And then what sustains our relationship is I am extremely happy with her. And part of it has to do with the fact that she is at once completely familiar to me so that I can be myself. She knows me very well. I trust her completely. But at the same time, she is also a complete mystery to me in some ways. There are times when we are lying in bed and I look over and sort of have a start because I realize here is this other person who is separate and different and has different memories and backgrounds and thoughts and feelings. It's that tension between familiarity and mystery that makes for something strong because even as you build a life of trust and comfort and mutual support, you retain some sense of surprise or wonder about the other person. This Thursday morning at 8.20, I'm going to read a little chunk of uh, Barack's autobiography in which he describes... Going to a play with a woman he worked with on uh, the south side in Chicago, uh, Ruby, he said that some of the names he changed. These were people that, uh, was a welfare mom, uh, but she, she was a working mother, but she was trying to help welfare mothers. She was definitely um, the kind of community organizer that was willing to face life's toughest problems. Anyway... Without telling him what the play is, she took him to see Entasaki Shange's Four Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough. There's a lot of laughs about how to pronounce Entasaki Shange's name. Anyway, in that description of his feelings when he sees this remarkable uh, world-changing play was done years and years ago. It uh, jolted my world, changed my ideas about theater even. Uh, and he recognizes the, what is it, the pain in the lives of all those women, the seven women in all the different colors up on stage. And uh, then he relates it to his uh, feelings for Ruby and her life. And it's just kind of, what do you call that, uh, the feminist page uh, for Barack because uh, it is amazing to look at him and realize uh, it's I don't like dumb words like new age or reconstructed uh, this guy 
is too good to be true. We're going to have to wait and see because I'm sure something's going to come up. But if you look around at all the magazines this week, you'll see that he's on the cover of all of them on Mug Jones. They've got him walking a tightrope. He's uh, personified as a baby with the year 2009, and he's walking the tightrope here. <laughs> and uh, it says, Don't look down! Why the mess Obama inherits might be his greatest opportunity? Check out the magazines. And uh, now I'm going to go home and watch the ball. Because I haven't figured out, you know, whether or not that imperial yellow dress was the right dress for the inauguration. I think it was. I think it was a total winner. I'll be back on the air at uh, 8.20 Thursday morning. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Out of KPFA proudly presents The Breakthrough, an evening with Glenn Eiffel, renowned African-American journalist, presidential debate moderator, and senior correspondent of PBS's NewsHour with Jim Lehrer. The Breakthrough is Glenn Eiffel's insider view of race and politics in the age of Obama. Along with Neil Henry, author and dean of the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism, Gwen Ifo will discuss the American political landscape and talk about the emerging African-American politicians who increasingly are shaping our future. This unique event is on Wednesday, January 28th at 7.30 p.m. at the First Congregational Church in Oakland, 2501 Harrison Street. There's free parking and the event is wheelchair accessible. Tickets are 